0: This is a popul- popular podcast. Do not be afraid. Welcome to Popular History, a library of Catholic knowledge and insights brought to you daily. Today, I talk with my agnostic atheist friend Sean about the idea of a historical Jesus. As you can probably guess, given I just described him as an agnostic atheist, a label which he had to explain to me because it's a bit counterintuitive, I don't agree with all of his conclusions, but we do find common ground. Please note that this episode is minimally edited at best. I've been doing a lot of longer format stuff for you guys lately, and the compromise for sanity and balance is on the editing side. Enjoy! All right, so uh, welcome to the Popular History Podcast, the revamped, uh, daily version of uh, this I think is probably going to be a little bit longer because um, Sean and I were initially talked about this back when it was more of like a 40 minute show. but uh, I mean whatever whatever makes sense for you Sean, uh, this is my buddy Sean. So hi Sean.
1: Hi, I'm Sean.
0: <laughs> Sean and I have known each other since uh, well, I guess technically since like grade school but more consistently since middle school um, but yeah, I mean when I asked you, You know, if you had thoughts on today's topic, I actually wasn't sure what your response would be, like where you would come down on it. Apart from I knew you would probably be willing to talk about it, just knowing your interests. So today we're going to talk about the uh, the mythicist position um, and, you know, the non-mythicist position. Basically, uh, was Jesus real? Sean, was Jesus real? I lean toward yes. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. That's been a great episode. Thanks everyone. I'll see you guys. (laughs) But uh, I actually didn't do really any homework for this one. Um, I'm flying by the seat of my pants more than usual because uh, you mentioned that you'd like a little bit of time to get some thoughts together. So uh, go ahead and I guess take it away and I'll just, you know, maybe periodically ask a question here and there.
1: Sure. So I'll just start out by saying that my background is not, you know, ancient history. I don't, mm. I don't profess to be a professor or a scholar. I'm just some guy who likes to read about this stuff. Uh, so I'm going to be leaning on the works of other scholars. And I'm not going to cite them in line as they come through, for the most part. Um, so I'll just start out by saying that when I'm talking about the Team Historical Jesus side, I'm mostly going to be talking... Um, Taking notes from Bart Ehrman and James Tabor to professors um, who study this stuff Mm. know these things. Yeah, when it comes to and I'll be
0: happy to put whatever whatever links in the show notes and uh, you know further citations in the show notes. Oh sure, yeah.
1: Um, For the mythicist position, I'll be taking my notes from. um, Wow, I forget his name. That's a bad look.
0: Uh, uh, it's an easy it, it's easy to fix bad looks with editing, Sean. Yeah, let me, uh, let me, let me
1: look up a name real quick.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: For the mythicist position, I'll be taking my notes from uh, Dr. Robert Price and Dr. Richard Carrier. These are um, mm-hmm. also to people who study these things and know more about these things than I would presume to know. So we'll start out by laying some groundwork. We're talking about a time period where we don't have extensive written records. We don't have a population of people who are largely literate and able to record what was going on. So we're taking a lot of what we can from people writing later as well as from stories passed down. So that Mm -hmm. means that when we're talking about the historicity of these things, we have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt. Because there's a lot that we can't know, and there's a lot of unknown unknowns.
0: Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, you know... I basically have, and slash I'm working to establish, and I'll keep beating it into my audience, I have a general disclaimer for, this is history from a long time ago, take it with an appropriate amount of salt just in general. Um, nothing is certain, or at least, you know, very little is, uh, basically anything can change as archaeologists dig in, um, and it's all very, I wouldn't say it's untrustworthy, but it's all hazy. Right to a degree. Yeah. Right. We're relying on the materials that we have. So general disclaimer does apply to this as well, and I'll let Sean go back to his more specific disclaimers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's that's exactly right. This is hazy history. So let's just talk a little about the area where Jesus is living. So he's living Mm -hmm. under Roman rule as a Jewish man. And that also adds limitations to what we can know. Because even after his death, if we're assuming he's a real person, you have ongoing Roman occupation. And it's in the vested interest of the oppressor to rewrite history in their favor. And up until the, or sorry, not up until, after 70 AD, after the fall of the temple, you have kind of even less to go on and even more oppression happening. And all of that is going to be distorting the message and distorting the history of Jesus. So most of the gospels were written, most people believe that they were written after 70 AD if not after then very shortly before so maybe 65 AD Mm -hmm. they don't go back to 33 AD 35 AD (laughs) around whenever Jesus died um so these are you know 30 years later people are writing down what they've been told or the story that they know and then some of these gospels are coming
0: even later yeah. Right, the especially the, uh, the non-canonical Gospels, or even tradition would say, John was written about, you know, 100.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You have, um, you also have interpolations and redactions happening. So as people are copying the Gospels, they might add things. So you get, you know, additional endings added onto Mark that are not in older manuscripts of Mark. So all of this Mm -hmm. adds to that general weirdness of what's happening. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about whether Jesus was real, we're going to have to answer some questions if he's not. And so I think Mm. it's worth talking about what those questions are. Namely, so where did Christianity come from if Jesus isn't real? (laughs) You know, there there is kind of a... It's it's a bit of a fallacy, but there is kind of an easy shorthand you can do for was Jesus real? And it's like, well, yeah, there's there's two major religions that say that that are based on him foundationally existing. Um, and that's not evidence, but like it, it definitely points in the direction of Jesus existing. And now
0: I'm I'm curious because you, you listed one more religion that I think most folks would. Um, So would that be Christianity and then also Islam?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, we need... There needs to at least be someone who can fit what Muhammad says about Jesus.
0: Yeah, Muhammad seems to have believed in the existence of Jesus.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, there was a man who was not God, but who was made to appear as though he was crucified um, and then he went on and did further things out further east that helped influence the founding of islam and then there's also mendeism you know a, a kind of mm. um a kind of gnostic religion um, that seems from my understanding to to come from John the Baptist where you know they they acknowledge there being a Jesus. So you have a lot of people who believe there's a Jesus because tradition is that there is a Jesus. Now, of course this doesn't mean there mm. is. And so that means we have to but it does mean we have to answer those questions. Who are those people then? That are being spoken of Are they completely made up Are they fabrications Of a much later time period Were they made up by the people That are contemporary To when they say he exists And why did they Either invent Or believe Even if they didn't have The physical evidence
0: Mm.
1: One of the things I brought up is that there's these tra- there's a tradition of Jesus existing and I want to say that we can't rely on that tradition as evidence because there's a tradition of lots of people existing who don't exist
0: and it's yeah. it's
1: not it's just not it's just not evidence
0: there are plenty of saints that I'm going to say through the course of the show I don't think this person actually existed. Right. (laughs) Right. Just because we have a Vita doesn't mean that that person was a real person. Right. So
1: those are, those are some of the the foundations, you know, we have to take it with a grain of salt. We have to answer some questions if he didn't exist. And tradition is not really enough. We're also going to set some groundwork and say some things that I'm not going to call into question. These are things that we're going mm. to take as historical truth and i'm not going to spend much time saying why i'm taking them as historical truth and i do that because the the it's just not the question the question is not whether josephus existed the question is whether jesus existed so i'm going to take for granted that josephus was real and that his writings like that. are largely his writings mm. i'll also admit that there are interpolations and redactions in his writings that are probably not his. But Josephus mm-hmm. was real. Uh, King Herod,
0: real person. Was was the Roman Empire real? I'm picturing that one uh, person on TikTok that got millions of views for that stance. Yeah, that regardless
1: <laughs> of what radicals on TikTok want to tell you, the Roman Empire was absolutely real. There's no question of it existing. Um, and then further Paul, St. Paul was real and Peter was real. So we've got these two people who we're going to accept as real, who while not, while we don't have any direct evidence of them claiming to be material witnesses, uh, it is, does make a pretty strong case. I'm also going to take for granted that John the Baptist is real. Hmm. So there's some people who are real. Why are all those people (laughs) important to whether Jesus is real? Well, we'll start with Paul. Paul is, as I'm sure your listeners know, a foundational figure in Christianity. And in his writings, he
0: talks about Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to preemptively call myself notorious for downplaying Paul. I keep, every time I come across Paul, I feel like I'm downplaying him, so I don't know if I overcompensate in the other direction, but yes, Paul was significant, and though I always have a hard time talking about him because I'm more interested in the Peter side of things, yes, Paul was significant. Sorry, carry on.
1: So Paul was significant, and he writes about Jesus. Case closed, right? Unfortunately not. Yeah, Uh, you know, maybe maybe Paul's not being truthful. Maybe uh maybe Paul isn't uh in his right mind? Yeah, maybe he's not in his right mind. Who who knows with Paul? So we've got Paul, a man claiming to be a Pharisee who is persecuting Christians, and he claims he has a religious experience where he sees Jesus. Jesus tells him things that are sometimes in direct contradiction to what the other followers believe. Uh, The other followers of Jesus. Yeah, the other followers of Jesus believe he introduces some things that seem fairly counter to Judaism. And he's doing the work that seems like more of the work that historically would have been done by the Sadducees rather than the Pharisees. Do you want to give a quick couple of examples of the things that you're talking about there? I do. So, when we talk about the Sadducees and Pharisees, what I'm going to lean on here is Rabbi Tobias Singer. And his claim is that while Paul says he's a Pharisee, that it was not really the Pharisees who were doing the persecution of the christians the sadducees had a vested interest in persecuting the christians and the pharisees were not really the ones who were like the executive branch of the persecution so it's it would have been strange for paul to have personally carried out any violence against a christian Maybe he would have mm, written some letters. Is that because the Sadducees were more tied in with like the temple? Exactly, they are the priestly class. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who have that executive power, um, and uh, right as that's, far as that's my understanding job. goes, that's their <laughs> job. That's what they do. So for a Pharisee to be going around doing that, it it, it would have just been strange, according to Rabbi Tovia Singer. Mm. So that calls into question that a little bit. Additionally, we have the Eucharist. Drinking and consuming blood is expressly forbidden. It's a big, mm-hmm. big no, no. So for the Jewish Messiah to say here, drink my blood is kind of anathema. It it seems counter
0: what a Jewish Messiah would do. And just to give you an idea of how Catholic I am personally, um, that didn't even occur to me as an issue, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. Uh,
1: yeah, and um, to have that coming from Paul, who's supposedly a Jew, also seems a little bit strange. So there, I think there's potential reason to distrust what Paul is saying. His background is right, and so that means we can potentially distrust the what of, the rest of what he has to say. But we do at least have Paul who says there is a Jesus. Mm-hmm. That ties in with the other people I mentioned because we have a Josephus. Josephus is a Jewish historian who's writing after the fact about all of the stuff that was happening during the second temple period leading up to the collapse of the temple. Mm-hmm. He names several Jesuses who were mm-hmm. killed by Roman law this should not come as a surprise it was the seventh most common name and
0: uh, God saves right yeah so, I
1: mean you know pretty pretty straightforward a remarkably oppressive regime um, and it was a it was an era of of extreme civil upheaval so that there are the fact that there are I don't know five seven I don't know the exact number there's a few Jesus's who are mentioned by Josephus.
0: Yeah. And I should clarify, the name Jesus means God saves. Right. So that lends
1: at least some credence to there being someone named Jesus who potentially founded a religion around this time.
0: Yeah, and I guess we should, we should for parameters, just note, like, you know, there's the question of like, you know, was there a person named Jesus? And then what was that person like? And you can subdivide this. So it's not an all in, like, you know, Was there a, you know, man named Jesus with the, uh, you know, the exact look that we think of and, you know, said everything that the Bible says. He said, like, that's one end of the spectrum versus was there a, you know, Jewish um, itinerant preacher by the name of Jesus who inspired Christianity? Right. Yeah. It's definitely a spectrum of, of potential um,
1: things. And once we dive more into some of the mythicist positions, we're going to look at that too so the problem with Josephus is that we also have some things in Josephus where he says yeah hey here's Jesus he's the Messiah he was sent by God and he's here to save us all and that's obviously not Josephus' voice like someone else (laughs) while they were transcribing Josephus added that in there to be like yeah this is Jesus this is our man Uh, and that's not Josephus so you know there's parts of Josephus that we have to call into question but there right. is no doubt that there was, there were people named Jesus who were killed by the Romans for various reasons. So we've got Josephus mm. saying, yeah, we've got Jesuses. We've got Paul saying, hey, I saw a Jesus. And I was persecuting Christians, so there was already some sort of religion who existed. And then you've got, like, Peter. You know, he's... He's starting a whole religion, and presumably he's not just doing that out of nothing. He's got other people with him.
0: All these Jesus sightings are sounding like you know, like the people watching for like the endangered bird. Like, oh, Jesus was in North Carolina. Like, you know, here's a recording of the last uh, last reported Jesus sighting. He
1: becomes a bit of a cryptid after he dies. He 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 really <laughs> it really is like, oh, did you see Bigfoot? Yeah, I saw Bigfoot. Did you? He he hasn't appeared to me yet. Oh man. <laughs> Sorry, back, back to Peter. What did Peter do? So Peter, uh, well, you know, he started a whole religion um, based presumably on someone he actually met and who talked to him and convinced him to take up his cause and go do some stuff, uh, like start a religion. <laughs> and so you have Peter there who's... You know, this is also much like Paul and Josephus. You know, we've got someone who's lending us more contemporary um, and you know, slightly later evidence of they are actually being a man. Mm. Okay, so we've covered Paul, we've covered Peter, and we've covered Josephus. Yeah, another name I mentioned was John the Baptist. So let's talk about why John the Baptist being a real person matters. Okay. We can look at certain things in the gospels and see that there's a potential nugget of truth. That isn't to say we can use the entire gospel as evidence, but you can look at something like the beginning of Mark. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of Mark, the first thing you see is Jesus getting baptized by John the Baptist. And then you have. The dove coming down. Mm. So Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist and not the other way around. Mm. Yeah. Why is Jesus not the one baptizing John? That's a question that needs to be answered for believers in the early church because they need a reason to not follow John. They need a mm. reason to believe that they should be following Jesus instead of following the sect. That is saying, okay, we're instead following John. And that's the sect that probably becomes Mendaism.
0: Right. Which is still still a
1: a sect that's active today. Yeah. And doing baptisms in the John yeah. the Baptist. And very day.
0: specifically very specifically not a Christian sect.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And so you have to think that early, the early church is struggling with that same thing. You know, why, why do we have Jesus getting baptized by John the Baptist? Now, if you are inventing things, or if there's no truth to this, if it's not already established within the members of the community that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and not the other way around, can't just flip it and say, oh, it was actually John who got baptized by Jesus. Hmm. So here you have the Messiah, the King of the Jews, being baptized by another person and, like, going to be baptized. You know, not just, like, this isn't just some incidental thing. This is a big deal. So then you need to Mm -hmm. answer to that. You need to invent a scene wherein a dove comes down and says, this is my son and I'm pleased with him. And then in your future Gospels, you know, 30 years later, you can stretch some things out and you can say things went a little differently, but you still can't like completely change it. You still can't say it was the other way around because it's so
0: established. It's so sort of like an embarrassing fact kind of buried in there um, is exactly. the suggestion of authenticity with that. Yep. And this
1: is um, known, I believe as the criteria of embarrassment It's, hey, there's something embarrassing that happened, uh, and we admit that it happened. And if we had just invented this, it would have been a lot easier to not have that embarrassing
0: thing happen. So I'm now convinced by that argument that there was definitely a man who ran away naked from Gethsemane, uh, because that (laughs) comes up in one of the Gospels. And that's a pretty embarrassing thing to just have show up in the Gospels, like Jesus is getting arrested, and off to the side, there's a streak show. yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and it's it's funny because there's a few things like that, you know. There's a few things where you look at them and you got to say, okay, well, if they were inventing this whole cloth, then they went about it in a weird way.
0: I probably would have left off Jesus and the fig tree. Um, which it, you know I'm exactly. Make you know, a lot that's of fun as we go,
1: <laughs> and you can see what's interesting is is when you take Mark and read it alone as the first gospel and you just read it, you can kind of get this idea of who Jesus
0: is, what he's preaching, you know, what the idea of the story is. and Okay, cool. And and just, just for a context, I know my listeners are already where I'm sure, but Sean's referring to Mark as the first gospel in terms of uh, chronology. Um, traditionally, there's Matthew then Mark, but uh, a pretty well-established um, Bible scholarship says that uh, Mark was actually the earliest.
1: Right. And then there's lots of discussion about which one came after. But... Between Matthew and Luke, yeah, yeah. When you look at them, you, you can see that they're kind of explaining some things in Mark. It's like they took Mark and then they were like, "We're not happy with all of this. We want more stuff." And so, a <laughs> lot revised of that stuff and that gets edition. added there, it's like, okay, maybe this isn't real. You know, maybe, maybe he wasn't born of a virgin, and maybe that wasn't even in like. Uh, a super important part to it initially. Maybe that was something they had to add on later to make things fit in a certain way. And that's why you get two different nativity scenes. That's why we don't have a consistent, you know, how, what was it like when Jesus was born? Who was there? Who are the wise men? Mm -hmm. Who has the wise men? Were they, were they even
0: there? I mean, Mark doesn't talk about that. Yeah, cuz there's basically the the Matthew nativity stuff and then the Luke nativity stuff. Yep. And you got to do some work if you wanted to thread them together.
1: Yeah. Trying to harmonize it gets weird. So, you know, we can just use the 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 various stories that kind of cast some embarrassment either toward the religion or toward Jesus, make it seem like there might be a flaw in the religion itself logically um and that it needs to be explained, you know, maybe that means that that stuff actually happened. Mm. And that's also why I brought up uh, King Herod is because we have, you know, mentions of him. He's a real person. Real stuff is happening. You know, we've got all these figures who are not just completely invented. There's, there's nuggets of truth within these stories that are meaningful Next, we're going to look at a couple of the mythicist positions. Okay. I think the two that are perhaps the most compelling to me is uh, a an early invention, f- maybe uh, slightly after the collapse of the temple, where the writers are writing... Um, political fiction. Mm. So the gospel writers are not writing in order to describe a real human. They're writing in order to radicalize or in order to get the rest of the Jewish population in line with a more spiritual idea of a kingdom of heaven so that they don't get killed because a physical kingdom of heaven is in direct competition with a
0: Roman Empire. Mm, so making it kind of more, a little bit more Rome friendly. Yeah. Um, in that regard. Yep. Or at least more able to survive, um, you know, without being in a death struggle with Rome. Right. And
1: so you, that was not going well. You basically have Paul um, saying, yeah, I used to be. I used to persecute you guys, but now I'm on your side. Maybe he was actually always a Christian, or maybe he was never a Jew. But what he does have a very vested interest in is trying to get the Jews and the Gentiles to get along. His entire yeah. message is how can we harmonize these things? How can we get these two different worlds kind of to synchronize? Yeah. Yeah the other mythicist position that I find intriguing is the idea that Jesus did not exist in a physical sense, but instead existed on a metaphysical plane.
0: Mm. Almost the Gnostic one.
1: (laughs) Kind of. Yes. And that's the thing is that we have what's, what's happening in this time period is a com a, a big combination of this, like, Second Temple Judaism with Greco-Roman ideas. And so Mm -hmm. you've got all this Platonism getting injected into Judaism that has already undergone a transformation um, by way of Zoroastrianism. So with Mm -hmm. Judaism, you don't have this real separation between the physical and the metaphysical creation is God. But when you start to look at Platonism and the ideas within Greco-Roman culture, you have a separation of these realms. So you have a platonic realm in a sense where the platonic Mm. solids like literally exist and float around and stuff. (laughs) And that's, you know, that's kind of a tongue in cheek way to explain it. And I'm sure some of your listeners who have a background in philosophy will be very upset by me saying that. But in any case, uh, the pope himself has come out and said that Christianity is Neoplatonist. So it should really not come as much of a surprise that in the early Just at, church. Do you happen to know that. offhand which pope? Um, no, I think the I think the existing one, the, okay. the current
0: living pope. Francis, I could definitely see that. Honestly, I could also see Benedict saying that. Like, really, I could see pretty much any of them saying that because it's, it's not that controversial a stance if you're familiar with Platonism and Christianity and the history there. Yeah,
1: it's hard to argue otherwise when you actually look at it. And so you've got this dividing of the realms, and so in this position, what you have is the idea that Jesus existed in the metaphysical world... It did all the things that it says he did including being crucified but that was done in the metaphysical world this this world that exists above ours kind of in outer space as we would call it now but that's not what they knew they didn't know any of that back then so their belief systems are very different so Paul and Peter and everyone else who's espousing these beliefs of Jesus did believe they they had the sincere belief that a metaphysical jesus existed was crucified by a metaphysical roman empire and that the visions that everyone saw after his supposed death when he came and visited them happened including the visions that paul saw and that paul's visions were divinely inspired and he believed that what he saw was what
0: happened in the metaphysical realm. So, uh, as distinct from the physical realm. Exactly. Almost like the Gospels as the Book of Revelation. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's not in a metaphysical way in the way we would think of it now, where we might think of it as, oh, somehow happening in another dimension or something like that. For them, this was happening above them in the heavens, literally above them, in what we would call outer space.
0: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah, because, like, I mean, in Platonism, basically... The heaven the reality is more important. Exactly.
1: Yeah, the further up you go, the more you know, the closer you are, the higher up into the heavens you are, um the closer to the divine you are.
0: Yeah. We're just getting the shadows in the
1: cave. Exactly, exactly. So you know, in their in the worldview that existed during that time, it would be very easy for there to be, you know, this sort of thing happening. Up in the, the higher level that we're trying to escape from in the first place. Hmm. And this does kind of slot in well with what you then later get through various Gnostic versions of Christianity, with what you get in Islam, and with what you get in Mandaism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's one possible explanation. And so these are the two mythicist explanations that I think have some, some credibility.
0: So there's sort of the Joan of Arc picturing it as occurring in heaven and bleeding down. Mm -hmm. And then uh, cut off the part where I say, what was the other one? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then the other one was uh, political propaganda. And then the uh, political propaganda angle making things more sympathetic to the Romans. Exactly. I, I think that's the one that's my favorite because then I like to picture it as a Roman psyop. To basically <laughs> pacify the Jews.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and what's interesting is you'll get some people who try to say it's like a a, a later Roman psyop, like 400 years later, and it's like no, no, it was not. Oh, like it Constantine
0: was, made up Christianity? Yes,
1: yeah. And it's like no, Constantine no. gets
0: blamed for everything, man.
1: He was working within an existing system. He was born into that. Like people had it, deeply held beliefs for hundreds of years at that point.
0: In, fair, in fairness to the folks that do like to blame Constantine for everything, there are a lot of things you can blame Constantine for.
1: <laughs> well, and he certainly transformed it.
0: I mean, yes the,
1: the work he did to change Christianity into something that actually did work as a fit in the Roman Empire is, well, it was successful. Look how many
0: Christians there are. And look how much Roman Empire there is. (laughs) Yeah, well... (laughs) Gibbon is is raising his eyebrows.
1: You Can't win them all, I guess. And keeping the world Roman via Christianity is certainly, um, well, certainly one way to do it.
0: I mean, uh, it was coming up in an online forum at one point. uh, Someone observed, you know, basically, uh, Catholicism in particular is basically sort of the last vestiges of the Roman Empire. Yeah. And it just amused me how much Gibbon would have hated that thought and that <laughs> lens of looking at things. <laughs> Gibbon hated Christianity, for those of you not familiar, he's the decline and fall of the Roman Empire guy. Mm, right, right. He said Christianity is what they did wrong and that's why they fell.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, there's an argument could be made, I guess. Uh, it was made. <laughs> Very popularly. Uh well then, thank God for Christianity the <laughs> Roman Empire was not one that I would want to live under it's... Anyway. I mean, most of history sucks That's true, yeah I mean, you don't have to go back more than a few years For me to be like, hey, I wouldn't want to live under that
0: <laughs> uh, Three years in particular Yeah, exactly <laughs> um, So anyway uh right so when oh sorry that that could be red wrong. i might cut that <laughs> <laughs> not anti vax not to anti vax yeah right right but yeah, yeah covid was inconvenient
1: yeah which which thing is it that he's talking about who knows um so this is where we're going to get into the idea of this spectrum of historical jesus mm-hmm. it's important for the metaphysical mythicist position because that position comes from richard carrier And he defends his position very much using Bayesian analysis. This is basically Mm. a bunch of fancy math to get you a probability that something is true. In order to do this, you need to have a very strict idea of what you're saying. And to that end, you kind of develop the spectrum of Jesus' belief. And Mm. so every assertion you make about Jesus drives your probability of the statement you're making down. And that's true for any statement you make about anything mm-hmm. because the more things you add when you're doing a probability calculation, those get multiplied and uh, you know it just brings things down. So to say there was a man named Jesus, well that's a really easy statement to make. <laughs> there was a man named Jesus who specifically uh, was baptized by John the Baptist. This may be a little easier to make, or a little harder to say is definitely true, but it's a little easier to make that assertion. There's a man named Jesus who was baptized by John the Baptist, who preached a gospel, who was then murdered by uh, the Romans. This is still pretty e- pretty easy assertion to make, a pretty high probability of being true based on what we know. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, it's not like it's greatly increasing your risk to say a non-Roman was murdered by Romans in the first century. Exactly, exactly.
1: Then you start adding some other things onto this, though. Did he appear to people after his death? Um, was he born of a virgin? Was he uh, sent by God to... Wash away our sins. Every layer of this um, changes the probability and drives it down. (laughs) If you say Jesus was made to look like he was crucified, but he wasn't actually crucified, your probability drops. And so the mythicist position of the metaphysical Jesus is supported using this kind of Bayesian Analysis, where every part of the statement is given a certain probability and uh, you can kind of multiply things through to kind of get what you get. And through this... So history through data analysis. Exactly. And through this lens, Carrier got, you know, maybe a two-thirds possibility of this metaphysical Jesus based on, you know, the numbers he has. And then a one third probability of the historical, physical Jesus.
0: I want to know what he did to like historians in order to get them to cough up specifics on like, you know, quali- quantifiable data from the first century. Cause like, I feel like any historian typically is like, Yeah, I'm not going to get that specific on that.
1: And that's where we get some methodological issues, because the historians he used to get those things are him. Um, Mm. He derived those numbers based on his understanding of the history itself and you kind of have to, in order to do this, you don't, you don't have, you don't know what the probability is of there being whatever, you know, for the most part,
0: you kind of have to pick. So is he like, is he like taking like a specific, you know, statement like Jesus, um, there was a man named Jesus who was crucified by the Romans. And he's basically saying, you know, my sense of this is that, Uh, maybe there's a 20% chance that's true. It's like, is that the kind of way he's coming up with the numbers or am I missing
1: something? No, it is more rigorous than that. I will give credit there. And Mm -hmm. a part of the analysis is to not only identify which things have probabilities, but to give them a range of probable probabilities so that you can do a series of analyses based
0: while adjusting and tweaking the probabilities. Um, do you do you happen to have any specific examples um, from that? Uh, I and I don't, know he may not have published his data. Yeah. Okay, we'll skip that.
1: But we could say something like, "Let's give it." You know. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not going to try to
0: come up with it offhand. now
1: Okay. All right. Um, yeah.
0: So so he's he's got his background math. Yeah.
1: And I think this is a really interesting way to approach things too, because not necessarily by crunching the numbers and coming up with a probability, I don't think that's a terribly useful way to do history, but I'm also not a historian. But what I do find interesting about this is that it does give us kind of a methodological approach of saying what it means for there to be a historical Jesus, and it leads us well into looking into... The various historical Jesuses.
0: Yeah. And I think in terms of thinking of a, you know, a good way to do history, I mean, honestly, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I've got a librarian background, right? So my general stance is, you know, the more sources, the better, especially coming at it from different angles. So I would say, you know, we need carriers. We need, we need these mathematical models, you know, then we, you know, we need the traditional models, you know, sure. We even need the great man theory. Um, just, Basically, the more ways that we have to approach history, um, the more we can get towards the truth as best we can, right? And it's never going to be ideal.
1: Yeah, and that's just exactly it. We're never going to know for sure. Uh, The best we can do is just try to find various methodologies and approach history with those methodologies and poke holes in the methodologies, too. I mean, that's the core Mm -hmm. of doing anything scientifically you know is to find flaws in your own stuff right so when we talk about an actual historical jesus we can look through that kind of methodological approach and say okay what things are we going to just completely disregard in our quest for a historical jesus Mm -hmm. Um, and especially things that are going
0: to really drive
1: down our probabilities (laughs) so any anything... <laughs> are we talking
0: Herod slaughtering all the firstborn in Judea?
1: <laughs> uh,
0: you know, it's it's more like, um... I mean, I'm sorry, holy innocence, but uh, if there's one bit of history that does not appear to be holding up, I'm willing to say that that is probably not something that is historically accurate from anything that we have. Um, and from yeah. the lack of anything, anyone else commenting on that? Cause that would have been big. We have heard <laughs> from outside the Bible. Right. Yeah. We like do it, not have that.
1: There'd be something right. Uh, but no, we're going to look, we're going to say that when we're talking about a historical Jesus for the sake of disgusting historicity that we can set aside anything paranormal. Okay. So when we talk about was Jesus real? Was there a historical Jesus? We are not asking, was there a man born of a virgin who appeared to a ton of people after his death and took a couple of them up to heaven with him and fought Satan in hell? You know, that's not, that's not, those are not questions history can answer. So instead, when we're talking about was there historical Jesus, it's instead useful to look at what the different kinds of Jesuses there could have been.
0: For what it's worth, whether those are questions history can answer is actually an area where I would disagree with Sean, but I've got him here as my expert witness, so <laughs> I yield. For the For the sake of argument, we'll say no, but I'm just think, picturing some of my listener base screaming at their uh, headphones. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so um, when we're looking at a historical Jesus, what we will look at instead is there being a man who was baptized by John the Baptist, and then after John the Baptist's death, continued to preach a gospel, started a movement, and was ultimately executed by the Romans. Because Mm -hmm. of, you know, directly as a result of starting that movement. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, based on, what I've read that there probably was at least one such figure and that the reality is that what we call Christianity and who we call Jesus is an amalgamation and a syncretization of multiple different historical and legendary figures. Mm. So if there is, for example, a Jesus, the zealot, Then we have a historical Jesus who founded a sect specifically on the, you know, destruction of the Roman Empire. You know, you know, they're -hmm. they're there to fight the Roman Empire. And so that's Jesus. (laughs) Jesus as an insurgent. Exactly. Then maybe we've got Jesus the Essene, someone much more like a John the Baptist type figure. He's going around, he's baptizing, he's spreading a prosperity gospel and teaching peace and, you know, still gets uh, killed, but more due to um, Jewish leadership. Mm. And so when we look at, say, those two possible Jesuses, we can say, well, perhaps what we have in the gospels, you know, because you can use the gospels to support either one of those ideas of a Jesus So, maybe what we have is that they both existed. And what we really have is Jesus the Zealot was actually one that Josephus wrote about. But Jesus the Essene, he wasn't actually Jesus. His name was John, but he wasn't John the Baptist. So they called him Jesus because it was easier. You know, something like that. Oh. You know, there's no real historical basis for that, but that could be be, you know, what's going on with this kind of synchronization of various existing
0: Jesuses. And I mean, there are plenty of, you know, alternate names for different folks and name changes and all that uh, amalgamation, like, you know, look up um, John, for example, with the New Testament and, you know, um, parsing out, you know, um, John the Evangelist, John the Apostle, um, you know, John, the one who wrote other parts of John Right um, Obviously, John the Baptist Right Just like, there's, there's a lot of Johns Right, well, um, it's like, you know, who wrote James is the other one
1: Who wrote the book of Revelation?
0: You know, it's like John, who?
1: John who? <laughs> Which John? John, the guy was who it, wrote Revelation Was it a different Was it a John who was already mentioned? Maybe We don't know Was it John, John the Baptist? Maybe Probably not <laughs> Was it was he writing about John the Baptist? And, and then mm. later on, Christians changed it and made it about Jesus because there's stuff added to Revelation after the fact as well.
0: Mm. Yeah. I was very proud of myself when I made the observation in an earlier episode because it just occurred to me. I'm like, well, obviously, John the Evangelist wrote uh, the Gospel of John because John the Evangelist means John, the guy who wrote the Gospel of John. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> If he didn't write the Gospel of John, he wasn't John the Evangelist. He wasn't very good at evangelizing
1: if he didn't spread any news, you know? Uh, so yeah, we, we really have, I think, a foundation for there being at least one existing person who fits a lot of the uh, the points who then this religion was then based on.
0: Right. So it's not to say, you know, um, you're not arguing that, you know, he rose from the dead and, you know, all and he was God um, and all that. You're saying there was a historical guy named Jesus um, who, you know, had teaching that he spread in the area. Um, He ran file of the Roman authorities because of that teaching. And uh, ultimately Christianity is based off of him. Like that's, that's the position you're, you're stating.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, that is the, like the mainline historical position. Mm -hmm. My personal position then takes that a little bit further and says, and in, in fact, it wasn't just one guy. It was several who merged into the singular person we call Jesus now.
0: Oh, so there's a twist. Yeah, because I thought thought you were going to just go for, you know, one single Jesus, but here we've got the plural, the Jizai.
1: Yeah, I think that it's likely that there was a Jesus the Zealot and likely that there was a Jesus the Essene and likely that there were those other types of Jesuses and that what we got was a merger because you have, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we're at kind of this critical point in history where you have these Messiah figures popping up all over. You know, everyone is saying, "Hey, I'm I'm the Messiah. I'm I'm the next one. I'm the next one. I'm the next one." And then you have, you know, one existing religion 2000 years later where there's a Messiah. Well, that's probably yeah. maybe it's maybe, I shouldn't say probably, but it's maybe that all those messiahs got blended into a single religion. Um, And then, of course, some of the other offshoots.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess I will say, you know, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, as my audience knows, you know, I'm a Catholic and I don't go out of my way to disagree with tradition unless I have a reason to. Right. (laughs) Um, I don't think I've gotten a reason to go out of tradition um, tonight because I don't think Sean would be calling his arguments, you know, that level of compelling. I also, you know, um, but I do think it's interesting to hear that perspective. Um, And I also feel somewhat validated, and I think you can appreciate this, Sean, of when I've been going through the sayings of Jesus in these last several uh, podcast episodes, Jesus said a lot of things. And one thing I've uh, drawn from that is uh, Jesus was a fan of contradiction, which I think, you know, if if I were to just go ahead and take a step back and, you know, just look at the broader scale, I could see that as an argument in favor of the kind of multiple Jesus position you're uh, indicating, because there are times where he very nearly contradicts himself in the gospels. And it does take uh, some harmonization to figure out from one account to the other, which, uh, which way Jesus is going to go on something.
1: And I think the infighting you see in the early churches also speaks to this because it's not like they had social media. It's not like, you know, two followers of Jesus necessarily knew they were following the same dude named Jesus
0: oh um, I absolutely agree with that because I mean it's the, it's those contradictions that I think make the different interpretations and the different emphases within Christianity possible right and
1: you know it's it's all just to say I think that it shows how messy history can really be mm.
0: extremely messy <laughs>
1: Okay, so then there's one other interesting theory I would like to talk about.
0: Oh, by all means,
1: go for it. This is not necessarily about Jesus existing or not because it takes for granted that he did. But it does answer a few questions that if he did exist and he was real, that I do think we need to answer. And those questions are namely, what's up with all of the appearances after he died? like Mm. there's a lot of them and and they're disparate and sometimes he looks different and sometimes he doesn't we have to kind of maybe answer for some of those and then also can we can we answer um the question of what does it mean in islam that he was made to appear to be crucified
0: Mm. and so this yeah i was good I almost asked about that because Islam sort of had... They take the position of basically he kind of hid, right, and someone else was crucified? Or is that... Am I mixing that up? Because I know there's a few different groups that would argue that sort of thing, including some Gnostic sects.
1: Yes. And so it depends on the exegesis. Um, It depends how you interpret the text. The text itself Hmm. just says he was made to appear that he was crucified. Okay. And so there are there are interpretations of it that say, okay, so that means someone else was crucified. And so that is like one of the common interpretations of it. Yeah.
0: One of the Gnostic gospels has a, I think a particularly cruel presentation of Jesus where basically like Jesus is off hiding, like, you know, while the crucifixion is going on and he's basically laughing because he got away with it. But like, there's someone else being crucified and Jesus is just like, yeah, I got away with it. And it's like, wait, what? Like, Don't you feel bad for the other? Like what? There's There's, some strangely,
1: strangely cruel Jesuses in the Gnostic texts. But I mean, if you're God, then
0: do you really feel that bad about? You got to be above those petty humans. They're just lesser than you. (laughs) Uh,
1: but this theory is, um, the theory that he was crucified, but he didn't die on the cross, Mm. and he was buried or entombed but they did not entomb a dead body. They entombed a living body. Mm. Mm. So this was intentionally done by Jesus uh, and his other cohorts, including Mary Magdalene. And effectively what they did was uh, Jesus took various herbs and things in order to fake his own death so that while he was on the cross, it would look like he died. When you're, put on the cross in rome you are left there until you fall off of it after you die Mm. and you're left there for weeks jesus was taken down real quick real quick like they even comment on that Mm -hmm. in the gospel where they're like what he's dead already and they're like yeah man he's dead i swear i promise you he's dead um (laughs) you know maybe that centurion's doing some extra work (laughs)
0: Uh, he's getting a cut of the insurance fraud the life insurance <laughs> exactly
1: you know he's in on this so he says yeah he's dead we can oh, take yeah, him down. totally
0: shoved a spear in his side yeah
1: yeah and yeah yeah I stabbed him and everything he's so dead and then they buried him and they put him in the tomb and then you know in the dead of night they came you know he woke up and they came and moved to the rock and got him and then when they came back you know he's not there and, uh, and then they mm. run away and they don't tell anyone. We know somehow that it happened, but they didn't tell anyone. And the idea really is just maybe you have Jesus existing being alive after that. And that's why you have such a transformed Jesus. You know, the Jesus mm. that these people knew is going to look real different from the Jesus that they get after this he's been tortured and flogged and crucified and drugged and you know he's gonna look different and so these people are gonna be like hey i saw jesus he wasn't he wasn't really himself but i saw jesus and then you know maybe you have him going further east and continuing on and 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 becoming the base becoming a figure within islam and potentially you know spreading other Gospels and doing who knows what. It's not a theory I believe mm. in, but it's an interesting one.
0: I think. <laughs> I, I mean, I I love me a conspiracy theory, right? I'm going to find time for them on the show as we go. And it really is. It's
1: a nice. It's a fun little conspiracy theory because a lot of people have to be in on it, including a Roman, and that's always fun.
0: Yeah. I I, I also want to at some point I'm going to dive into the conspiracy theory of Jesus was a uh, a prince from Odessa like uniting oh. somehow the the Persian and uh like he was an Ill- illegitimate grandson of Augustus like oh man there's there's so many good wow. jesus uh That's interesting. jesus conspiracy theories
1: <laughs> yeah uh and then there's one thing i want to absolutely dispel as well okay so there is an idea that is That has been pervasive for a long time and I continue to see it. And that is that Jesus was crucified by the Romans, but it was done. It was called for by the Mm. Jews. Mm -hmm. If he had broken any Jewish laws that they wanted him to be punished for. He would have been stoned. Jesus was crucified, which was a punishment that Rome used against enemies of the state in order to dissuade other enemies of the state from fomenting insurrection.
0: Yeah, I always thought it weird because the Gospels kind of address that a little bit in the sense that they're like, oh, well, you know, basically we're not allowed to kill people anymore, so you need to kill them for us. But I would think, like, you know, couldn't the Romans just say, well, we give you permission, go ahead and follow your customs, right, and do the traditional stoning? Yep,
1: yeah, it's just not true. They would have stoned him. They they had the power, they had the authority to do so. Uh, it is just an unfortunate fact that there is some ahistorical anti-Semitism written into mm-hmm. the story of Jesus and that is a big example of it. Jesus was killed by the Romans for being an enemy of the Roman state.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: And now I will give a little rundown on my personal beliefs in general, so as not to uh, confuse any listeners about maybe some of the things I said.
0: (laughs) Thank you, yes.
1: I personally do not believe in the paranormal, In any capacity, which includes God, very specifically, I do not believe that Jesus, the historical Jesus, was the Jewish Messiah. I do not believe there is a Jewish Messiah.
0: Yeah. All right. (laughs) And that was part of the reason why I was wanting to get your take on this, because Obviously, you know, if I get someone who I know is a Christian, um, they're probably, not a hundred percent, there's there's some different takes out there, but they're probably going to say, yes, there was a historical Jesus. Um, so I wanted to make sure I was getting someone who wasn't in a faith that already accepts that.
1: Yeah. Um, so Well, and interestingly enough, I also don't think that a lack of a historical Jesus would necessarily be cause for um, doubt among believers even if someone right. were able to say no this physical person didn't actually exist um, I'd still see no reason why you couldn't go about your day to day in the same way and have the same belief system uh, especially if you look at the fact that if he didn't exist then the more likely explanation is uh, that people believed he did, and started the religion based off their beliefs of the metaphysical existence of of Jesus, um, mm. and if God works in ways just outside of our comprehension, there's there's no reason why it 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 could it should cast any doubt.
0: Mm. All right, well, thank you very much for your time, Sean. I think this is going to end up clocking in around an hour, which is basically what we were, we were hoping for, planning on whatever. Oh right. Um, I do. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. I would love to have you again if there's another topic that grabs your interest. Um, obviously. Um, yeah. I thank you so much for your time, and for uh, doing the legwork on this one. Because frankly, I was like, well, first off, I don't feel like just ex- just going through this because I feel like in general. Uh, My stance is known, and I'm just walking through everything. I'd rather have a bit of an outside perspective to look at the overall question fresh, because it is a question worth asking. You know, was Jesus real? Um, And obviously, um, Sean basically agrees um, with my general sense of, yes, there was a historical Jesus, although Sean actually goes even more on by making it uh, multiple historical Jesuses. So I guess that's doubling down almost. (laughs) Yeah. I'll see your historical Jesus and raise you uh, more historical Jesuses. Oh, you you just uh, believe in one Jesus? Hmm. <laughs> <Polygesicism>. <laughs> um I will, I do intend to, well, I'll go ahead and say now, um, if anyone is wanting sort of the other side, more of a mythicist uh, position, um, he hasn't gotten there yet. Um, but it is a show that has been going on for a Good long time. He does a lot of good digging in. It's the Dragons and Genesis podcast. Jean, I think you probably actually would would enjoy that. I may have already recommended it to you before because it seems like it's right up your alley. Um, but I have talked with him a bit. He seems to go towards the uh, the metaphysical Jesus um, angle, um, and I think you know he'll get to Christianity when he gets there. He's been going through the Old Testament, so right now he's in Isaiah, making mm. his way through. But uh, Dragons and Genesis podcast, if you do want to hear. You know, sort of the general take of someone who is a genuine, uh, real life um, Jesus mythicist. Um, although, like I said, yes, and specifically got into that in this podcast. But I did uh, take him off in a side conversation because I was debating having him on. But I think he's tied up. I will invite him though. But yeah, so there's another there's another voice.
1: Yeah, it's cool. I, you know, I was thinking our our next our next uh, our next conversation could be how many gods is Yahweh. Um, but he might be a better, he might be a better,
0: <laughs> better host for that <laughs> or co-host, I guess. <laughs> we will, we will see. Um, he's definitely a storm God. I know that. Yeah. That, that has been hammered into me through that <laughs> yeah. podcast. Definitely a storm. Possibly god. volcanoes
1: <laughs> and married to Ishtar, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And he's a warrior God as well. And, um, you know it's it's interesting to be like imagine just one day you're just like a local like a very localized storm god specifically of this just like wilderness sect of Jews like you're just that one you're just one dude mhm and then suddenly you're the creator and it's like I yeah. I used to have a dad and now I am the dad what the hell <laughs>
0: Oh, I, I, I certainly um, will never claim to have God's perspective, let alone, um, I guess what you're calling that would be the uh, Yahweh before he goes viral perspective. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Oh, boy. All right. Well, thank you very much again. Um, we'll, we'll see you around. Yeah. Oh, anything you want to plug or recommend, by the way. No, I can always just throw that in the show notes if you have anything. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll put some I'll send you some links to some YouTubes that people should watch, like channels that talk yeah. about this sort of stuff and have people on and are really, really good. Uh, but yeah, nothing, okay. nothing for me personally. I'm going <laughs> to.
0: I will cut out that. Part. <laughs> all right. I'll all talk right. See you later. All right. See you, man. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening. God bless you all.